0: We do have natural emotions for people who are far away from us, people who are abstract ideas who are not born yet. So we do have this kind of emotional capacity. So I think that gives us not only the reason to think, okay, maybe we have a theory, but gives us the evidence that we actually have to consider them.
1: Hello and welcome to the Fourth Space Podcast. This September, the Nature, Time, and Responsibility Research Group will be in residence at 4th Space to focus on questions of intergenerational ethics through cross-cultural philosophical dialogue. For this episode, we invited the organizers of this three-day conference that's entitled Justice Between Generations to come in and speak to some of the key ideas that they'll be looking at through these international exchanges. So let's listen in as PhD candidate Becky Vanderpost enters into conversation with philosophy professors Jing Iris Hu and Matthias Fritsch. And we would like to begin by acknowledging that Fourth Space and Concordia University are located on unceded Indigenous lands. The Kayunkahaga Nation is recognized as custodians of the lands and waters on which we gather. And Chichage, Montreal, is historically known as a gathering place for many First Nations. We respect the continued connections with the past, the present, and the future in our ongoing relationships with Indigenous and other peoples within the Montreal community.
2: Hello, my name is Becky van der Post. I'm a doctoral student in the Interdisciplinary Humanities Program here at Concordia where I'm working in phenomenology and Marxian critical theory and critical sensory studies. But my research interests have grown out of my work as a concert violinist um, and a kind of persistent fascination with the things that happen when we become immersed in whatever we're doing. I find that these moments of immersion are really crucial to our spontaneity and our ability to innovate. And they're often moments in which our project begins to suggest all sorts of surprising possibilities and shoot off in unexpected directions. So that what we end up doing differs in all sorts of ways from what we thought we were going to do. And what interests me here is that this capacity to become completely absorbed in something else and to part ways for a moment with our normal self-awareness, even if this is just for a very brief pocket of time, this capacity suggests to me that somewhere at the root of human creativity is a way of being human that we can't really reconcile with the standard enlightenment account of autonomy and agency and self-mastery. So the goal-oriented, utility-maximizing individual is precisely not who we are for much of the time that we're functioning at our best. And I've been harboring a suspicion that these moments show us that we're not really or not entirely the kind of beings that Western modernity generally requires us to be. Um, And so in my own work, I'm trying to explore the implications of this for the possibility of systematic and systemic social change, um, and especially for change in the ways in which Western society orients itself towards its own future and towards nature and the environment. So I'm absolutely thrilled to be working with the Nature Time Responsibility Research Group, which is an international and intercultural philosophy network based at Concordia. And I'm Very excited to be helping to organise their upcoming conference that's taking place this September as part of the group's residence at 4th Space here at the university. So with me today to talk about the NTR network and the impetus for this residence are Dr. Matthias Fritsch and Dr. Jing Hu from the Philosophy Department at Concordia. Matthias has published extensively in environmental ethics and has made some major inroads into the questions of intergenerational justice. And Jing's recent publications bring Chinese philosophy and Western moral philosophy into dialogue to explore questions of space and time and the relations between humans and nature. First of all, actually, I should ask Matthias and Jing to introduce
0: themselves. Um, Right. So thank you, Becky. I think uh, you already um, mentioned. Um, So I'm a professor at Concordia in the philosophy department, and I work on Ethics, moral emotions, and from a cross-cultural perspective. So some of some of my works are on empathy, or shame, or guilt, and then the kind of emotions and how we um, emotions connect and ground ourselves, and connect us with uh, our other uh, human fellow human beings, our family members, and our, our community members, um, in a way that not only uh, enhances in a way that not only um, connects us, but also nourishes us and helps establish our own moral agency. So um, I'll be talking a little bit more about that uh, later, but now, um, for now, um, I'll leave the floor to Matthias.
3: Yeah, thank you, Jing, um, and and thank you, Becky, for the wonderful introduction. Um, Well, I'll make it brief. Um, I'm a social and political philosopher, and I've mostly been interested in... um, questions uh, that have to do with the relationship between time and justice. Uh, So specifically, um, what role does uh, historicity, the fact that we are um, historical beings play uh, in our conceptions of justice, uh, in our social and political lives? uh, Specifically, what relationship do we have with uh, the dead? Mm -hmm. Uh, What role do they play in our um, political lives and our communities? Um and as uh, Becky mentioned, um I have uh over the last few years mostly worked on uh, questions of uh, future people that is um, the unborn generations um uh, into the future um who will be vastly affected by what we are doing today and what we're not doing today so Uh, climate change, environmental destabilization more generally, loss of biodiversity, uh, and and so on. Um, But also institutionally, of course, uh, we're leaving a huge legacy to future generations. And so I've been mostly working on that, um, as well as uh, environmental ethics. Um,
2: I think you're one of the three founding members of the NTR network. Um, And so I wanted to ask you um, to say a few words about the driving motivation uh, behind the network and why um, you found it so important to integrate questions of nature and time and responsibility. So you've touched on this already, but uh, briefly in your introduction, but I'm wondering if you can say more about the specific light that these three concerns shed upon each other and why this matters so much at the moment
3: sure i mean nature is uh, the topic of environmental um, ethics and uh, environmental politics um time is the question of uh, nature uh, over time uh, it's changing over time uh the way we have inherited it from previous times the way that we are leaving it uh, to uh, to the future um and responsibility is the responsibility across time so um uh questions that have to do with again uh, relationships with uh, previous generations uh, relationships with uh, descendants um, uh, people coming after us and so in, in a certain way um, you know uh, the questions of responsibility take on a particular uh, uh, tone when you ask them in relationship to nature on the one hand and in relationship to time on the other.
2: From what you're saying I, I, I sense that To pull any of these elements apart is to remove them from crucial dimensions that we need to understand what's actually going on there. In other words, we can't really make sense of any one of these ideas without taking the others into consideration.
3: Yes, but it's also that, I mean, you... You, you can talk about responsibility that isn't to nature, of course, um, uh, unless, you know, you're taking it in a very broad, the, the term nature in a very broad philosophical sense where you're asking about the nature of responsibility. But I mean, you know, there's interhuman human responsibility. Um, I, I myself, I am always very interested in asking about environmental background and the way that it shapes uh, and forms uh, human relations. So for example, when Jing a moment ago talked about her work on moral emotions, and how they connect um, people, how they ground people and so on. Then I, I do wonder, well, how about emotions as colored and affected by the environment in which they are situated? I mean, you know, interhuman relationships may be different in a city, um, for example, than when situated um, outside of the city in a, in a natural setting that may have a bearing upon it. But generally, of course, it's perfectly fine to speak about responsibility in a way that isn't focused on responsibility to to nature, responsibility mm-hmm. to the dead, or responsibility to future generations. That, however, mm-hmm. is the specific focus of the NTR
0: network. So, so there are many ways that my work is related to the theme of NTR and some of the underlying questions. So, take uh, moral responsibility, for example. There are different theories of what is more responsible. What does it mean for us to be responsible for something and what does it mean for us to be morally responsible for something? Uh, We do have people who believe that certain emotions, what they call reactive attitudes, are at the center of this uh, concept, meaning that if we naturally hold certain emotions such as resentment and indignation towards others, then it means that others are responsible for uh, having wronged us or having done something towards us. So that's one way emotions are connected to more responsibility because otherwise more responsibility, even though we talk about it a lot, what does it really mean? What Where does it originate? Right. So we still as philosophers need to answer that. And then on the other hand, uh, what I have been working on, uh, w- which I think the connection between emotions and moral responsibilities is really um, giving us very promising uh, insight, is that we do have natural emotions not only to people who are present or in our in- inner circle, but we do also have emotions for people who are far, far away from us and for people who are historical figures and for people who are you know abstract ideas who are not born yet we could imagine ourselves having emotions towards them, sometimes as a result of, you know, because they remind us of a certain someone else that are close to us, right? So we do have this kind of emotional capacity to people who sometimes we don't typically include in our moral community when we use a justice, uh, right-based framework. So I think that offers a lot of uh, promise into thinking, okay maybe when we look at the, the abstract future generation who are not born yet um but we do have this natural capacity or natural moral capacity to relate to them so i think that's gives us not only the reason to think oh, okay maybe we have a theory to think about you know we can be responsible for them but also it gives us the evidence that we actually have to consider them precisely because we have the natural capacity natural moral emotion towards them so that's just a a few examples of how I think my overall research and overall interest uh, is aligned with some of the theme questions of the NTR network.
2: Now, I I want to dive in there and ask you a question. Um, Do you think that your work could extend to include nature within the notion of the others, in that nature surely arouses emotions in us that can be as affecting as those sometimes that are aroused by our encounters with other people. Would can is do the emotions afford furnish a way in which nature can be brought within the moral uh, framework um, directly rather than indirectly as a route to fueling to feeding somebody
0: else's needs? I do think so. And I certainly I do think that our framework, uh, our metaphysical framework of who we are and where we are, you know, where we think we are in this whole world do play a role in how we essentially construct our morality. I think Matthias mentioned this earlier. In a city, we, we may consider, we may construct our morality very differently than if we're in a small village, you know, just a few of us and surrounded by by nature, right? So we might have a different set of morality. We may think, you know, uh, we have more responsibility to to our neighbor or less responsibility to our na- neighbor. I, but I think the idea is that there are, especially, a uh, rich resource, especially in Confucianism and especially in Taoism, that seems to suggest that you know we are really seems to push the narrative that we are really a part of nature instead of that we are you know the master of nature or we are opposing an opposing force to nature, or we as humans are the solely responsible people to make nature better, right? So Mm -hmm. there is this framework that we are actually just a part of nature, and if the nature is, you know, um, doing its nature thing, then we will also flourish and be happy. Um, So there is this cosmological idea of humans are actually a part of nature. And I think there is also a spiritual side of uh, Confucian philosophy, which moralize and normalize the nature. It thinks that, you know, the nature has a certain moral sense and it's going to communicate to people in a certain ways. Um, so the nature is not all in this passive or, you know, separate realm of, uh, of things, but it's, it connects to human in a way that it connects to our faith and connects to our uh, morality. Right? Mm-hmm. So in this framework, it does change our uh, view of how we are connected not only to other people but also how we are connected to nature and also how we are connected to our ancestors and how we are connected to people who are going to be, you know, the future generations. Because we are going to think about how we look up to our ancestors or despise some of our our ancestors. And we are going to think about, you know, our descendants. Um, It's going to look back at us in that light uh, at some point. Uh, as well. So to answer your question in a very abstract and then broad way, so I do think that uh, the nature is part, it it is a part of the metaphysical framework. It is also a part of the moral framework, um, so that ethics does not only deal with interpersonal relationship, but also relationship between us and the rest of the world, and with us being situated in that world.
2: Um, Matthias, that sort of segues into one of the questions that I had for you, actually, which is to do with the notion of that you talk about, actually, in your book, Taking Turns with the Earth, the notion of the time of birth and death um, and natality and mortality and how this is that this time frame constitutes us as people. And I'm wondering if you could say a little more about this.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Um, maybe I can do that by commenting on the wonderful things that Jing just said. Um, I think it is true that we should recognize that relationships to, um, the ancestors and to descendants always take place in, in a context that is partly environmental. It is also, um, cultural, uh, social, and political, because we are political beings, we are social beings, we are cultural beings, and so on. So we, you know, we um, inherit the language from those who come before us and we pass it on often willy nilly, they don't make a choice there. You know, you speak a language and you pass it on there. If you speak more than one language, you do have a choice as to what language to pass on to some extent, um, but that's limited um, to, to your abilities. Um, and, uh, so, so there's, there's a, there's a connection there, but it is also an environmental or natural connection in some way. Um, and I think this is what Jing was emphasizing. So, so the link to previous generations, um, is, is also a link to nature, uh, and the link to future generations is also a link to with the natural environment. And I think that's very important to recognize. Um, because it is bringing home the idea that Jing mentioned um, uh, namely that we are a part of nature um, and it, it belongs to, to us as natural beings if you wish um, that we are born of others um, that we have mothers um, and uh, that uh, it, it is uh, unthinkable uh, a human being that just drops from the sky and, and is just there fully given as it were so that's part of the human condition and it is also um, part of our, of our being or of our condition that um, there will be others after us. Whether we ourselves procreate or not, um, there, there will be others after us. Um, and and uh, that is what I try to capture by talking about mortality and natality. So mortality means that not just that we will die, but um, that we are leaving this world for others. There will be others after us. Um, uh, and so this is something that I think is, is very important deeply a part of us, even though we tend to think, as, as Jing also said, that, well, you know, people who come after us, they're kind of abstract. They're not concrete. They're kind of far away in a way. But, I, you know, I'm trying to, to show that in some sense they are here and not just far away. Uh, death um, uh, and, and birth are not these absolute cutoff points, um, but they, they structure the time of our lives to such an extent that um, ancestors and descendants are not just abstract and far away, but are with us in some way. I mean, this is my own work on intergenerational justice now, and, as you know. But.
2: In terms of the conference itself, um, turning our attention forwards now a little, uh, Jing and Matthias, what can you tell us about the specific theme of the various events and the main questions that the conference is hoping
0: to address? Um, through the course of the week itself? Um, so we have a week-long residence, right? Um, so we will start uh, kickoff with one lecture, and which is followed by a more intense um, three, uh, two and a half day um, conference, the main program. Um, so there are a number of uh, different topics from various uh, philosophical traditions, So for me personally, I'm just really excited to bring all those people together, um, virtually maybe, um, but to bring all those people together to see different perspectives. Um, Because like Matthias was saying, and like Becky was saying earlier, um, one, we have different different philosophical traditions have been thinking about intergener- intergenerational uh, themes um, for a long time. And then two, uh, the crisis we're facing today is obviously uh, going to affect different cultures. And then, um, if we're going to do something about it, it's going to uh, require people from different cultures to take part in. So I'm just really excited to get to know uh, from a philosophical point, um, different traditions, what we can offer, and also how they actually connect. So, for example, after reading Matthias' book, I think that um, uh, Confucian philosophies focus on uh, filial emotions, uh, and then the the concreteness of human agency really is connected to some of the point uh, that was um, that Matthias was making uh, from different perspective. So, so I thought that would be It will be really exciting to find out some of the connecting points, um, connecting point points uh, in various philosophical um, discourse and um, and bring different voices onto uh, the front so that we get to um, so that we get to appreciate uh, different methods uh, in approaching, uh, the questions that's at hand, but, and also the different metaphysical and then philosophical framework that's grounding all those, uh, contributions that we're going to be able to see, but perhaps I'll leave the more concrete to Matthias here.
3: Yeah. Well, the conference hasn't happened yet. So, um, I can't be that concrete um but uh the, the basic idea uh, may have emerged in this conversation already and that is um to bring different traditions together uh, different resources um i mean i it, it's not just that you know the idea that if you bring different resources together then uh you know you throw it all in a big pot and you, you stir and then you know there's something nice must come out of that it's 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 not that it's Um, Or it's not just that. Uh, It's a little bit of that because, uh, you know, the questions of what we owe future generations is is a pretty tricky one. Um, uh, And and why we owe them and in in, in what way we should think about that. Um, And to listen to people who have um, bring different traditions to bear, African cultures, for example, African traditions have a lot to say about this. Um, And I just don't know about that. Um, I'm not an expert in that area. um, but I, I'm really curious to hear what the two experts who will address um, uh, intergenerational issues from an African perspective uh, will have to say, not just in their own talks, but also in the exchange with others uh, on this uh, this particular topic. Um, and, and so it's a little bit of that, but it's also just that, once again, um, we should never assume that just because the issues that we're facing, the environmental issues in particular... Um, But of course, also political institutional issues, Um, just because they are global, that as soon as you address them, that you are speaking globally. I think we should not assume that. Um, uh, Our positions are always informed by particular languages, cultures, um, and and lands and countries that we come from, which is why, again, that land acknowledgement is so important. And uh, a global perspective can only be the result of dialogue. Uh, I think that is the, the basic idea. And we should, of course, also note, note right away the limitations here. Um, uh, you know, we don't have South American, um, Latin American uh, perspectives re- represented. Uh, we thought that was going to be too large. Um, um, we're not quite there yet, but in the future, NTR wants to be there. It wants to form other conferences in which the focus shifts a bit more there mm-hmm. to include uh, Latin American perspectives. Um, during the conference, we're trying to maximise dialogue among participants, so not just you know present your paper and go home, but actually converse with others and, and, and learn and listen. Um, so that, for me, is the basic impetus behind the conference.
2: Matthias and Jean, thank you very much. This has been a wonderful conversation, and um, I can't wait for the next instalment. Thank you both.
3: Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the Fourth Space Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at CU Fourth Space, and wherever else you find your podcasts. The podcast is hosted by me, Douglas Moffat, and produced by Anna Boklovec. Editing by Chloe Lalonde and Makai Hogrow. Social media and web support by Kari Balmstad. Our theme music is courtesy of Supercontinent. Thanks for listening.